Hello, I'm Erin McKean. I'm reading my story, Not Waving, But Drowning, from the book collection Machine of Death. For more information, please visit machineofdeath.net. Everyone knows that the fourth day of ninth grade is when you get your results. I mean, that's the way it happens in our town. Other towns do it differently. Amy, who moved here from Atlanta, said that in the big cities they do it when you're born, since they have to take blood from babies anyhow to test for HIV and that disease that means you can't drink Diet Coke. She says she's going to be shot in a botched robbery, but I think she's lying. She also said her aunt is on Days of Our Lives, and I don't believe that either. But here in our town, all the parents got together and decided that they just couldn't take knowing before we were at least in high school. Tim Kay says it's because when you're in ninth grade, your parents find you so annoying that they can actually bear to think about you dying. Alicia thinks that it's because when you're our age, you think you're immortal and they want to scare it out of us. That might have been true for our parents or our grandparents, but I don't know anyone our age who hasn't always known that they're really going to die. The way it works is pretty easy. The first day of ninth grade in homeroom, the school nurse comes in and takes blood samples. She gives a 10-minute speech about the machine and how it works. Short answer, nobody knows, but it's never been wrong. She tells us that she's going to die in a fire. She doesn't even shiver when she tells us that. I guess when you've known for years and get up and talk about it every year, it becomes routine. And I guess as a nurse, she knows that more people die from smoke inhalation in a fire than from actually being all burnt up. It's weird to see other people's blood. Darren and Mike, the two biggest boys in homeroom, can't even watch. I watch the needle go in, careful not to look away. I might want to be a doctor someday. It's hard to decide what you want to do with your life until you know how it's going to end. All the blood, each sample in a little barcoded tube, goes into one of those freaky biohazard mailers, and the nurse seals it in front of us. She has a whole cart of packages. Our homeroom was last. Then we wait. Of course it's all anyone can talk about. Helen wants to die glamorously, like in a terrorist attack. Do you know how much money your family gets if you die in a terrorist attack? Naturally, we all hoot at this. There haven't been hardly any terrorist attacks at all since the machine. There are still some every once in a while in really poor places like India and Russia, where people can't afford the test. But it's hard to scare people about terrorism if they know they're going to die because they stuck a fork in a toaster. Kells wants to die of old age, but that sounds awful and boring to me. And everyone knows that it's impossible to get a job in a rock band if you have a test that says old age. All the record labels are looking for the next Kurt Cobain. Death, even when you know it's coming, still bumps up downloads and sales. You know that singer Bryson? She got drug overdose, and you can't even click on a tabloid page without a picture of her looking wasted. Her music sucks, but everyone can't wait to see how she flames out. My brother thinks it's all a big put-on. He thinks she's totally straight-edge, and drug overdose means that some overworked nurse is going to give her the wrong dose 80 years from now when she's in a nursing home. Mylena wants mad cow disease. She says if she gets that, it means she'll never die, because she's a vegetarian and always has been. Her parents are vegetarians and everything. It's hard to know what to wish for. Old age could be dying in bed with all your family around you, just like in a movie, with your daughter holding your hand in a room full of flowers. 
Or it could be horrible Alzheimer's and being tied to a bed so you don't wander off, with no one there at all, but you don't care, because you can't remember anyone anyway. Car accident could be instant, or it could be paralysis or amputation and infected bed sores that give you that staph they don't have antibiotics for anymore. Heart failure could be a dramatic heart attack, the fall down clutching your chest kind, or it could just be you get old, your heart stops. As I said, it's hard to know. My mom and dad have the same one, cancer. They met at a death party in college where you got paired up with someone who was going to die the same way. They were the only two cancers at the party. By the time the machine came around, most cancer was curable, which sucks for them because they know they're going to have one of the bad kinds of cancer like ovarian or pancreatic or brain, the really painful kinds. At least now when you get those kinds of cancer, the doctors know you're going to die from it and they give you lots of painkillers. It used to be that it was hard to get painkillers, my mom told me. When her grandma died of breast cancer, she was in lots of pain, but the doctors wouldn't give her drugs in case she got addicted. That's because nobody knew she was going to die of the cancer. They thought maybe the cancer would go away and then they'd have an old lady addicted to morphine to deal with. That doesn't happen anymore. My brother just has accident, which freaks him out. It freaked us all out. Usually the machine is pretty specific. Car accident, household accident, whatever kind of accident. Just plain accident is pretty rare. For a while, he went through what everyone goes through, the whole avoidy thing. He put grab bars in our shower. He walked to school instead of riding the bus or his bike or driving. He was really worried that it would keep him from becoming a pilot, which is what he really wants to do. But then he talked to a recruiter and the guy said they really don't pay attention to that so much. He said so many pilots actually have plane crash that he knows 10 guys personally who are nicknamed Crash. It's like a macho thing to get in that plane every day knowing you're going to die in a crash. Of course, most of them crash flying their own personal mini planes, not the jets. My grandmas are both dead. One died before the machine, just had an aneurysm. The other grandma, my dad's mom, she was one of the first ones to use the machine in their town. Her ticket said suicide. My dad said she didn't tell anyone she was having the test. She just waited for all of them, my dad, his sister, his dad, to leave the house the next day, and then she took two bottles of sleeping pills. They didn't even know she had them. She got the prescription in another town and had been saving them. She didn't leave a real note. She just wrote, I'm sorry, I knew it, on her machine report and left it on the table. My grandpa, her husband, He's never taken the test. He says that it's wrong to know and that the whole human race is going to descend into mediocrity because of it. He talks like that a lot. He says that the fear of death, coupled with its unpredictability, is what drives humanity to achieve. He likes to talk about how there haven't been any real scientific advances since the machine. He says everyone is too busy spending time with their families and enjoying life to do any real work. Then he laughs and lights another cigarette. He's the only person I know who smokes. It's crazy old-fashioned, like wearing a monocle or having a gas-powered car. You can't even buy them in town anymore. He has to have them imported from India. Once they shipped in the wrong brand and he had to smoke bright pink ones for a week until he got more. The pack played this loud Bollywood song whenever he opened it. That was even funnier. My other grandpa, my mom's dad, is going to die from pneumonia. He says his goal is to put it off as long as possible. 
He always gets a flu shot. He drinks all this horrible green vitamin juice powder stuff, and he exercises more than anyone I know. We all tease him about it, but he says he's going to be the world's oldest pneumonia victim. I don't really know too much about other people's tickets. Most people don't talk about it. It's hard to know what to say when you find out someone's going to be shot or hit by a car or fall from a height. You either find yourself saying, that's not so bad, or you just talk about something else. It's kind of rude to ask someone that you don't know well. And since it's so vague, sometimes it's hard to know what to do. I heard that there was this girl in Charlotte, one of the first people to get the test, and her ticket said she'd die at graduation. So she wore black all through high school, really gothed out. She was like queen of the goths. And her graduation came and went, and nothing happened. College, too. She went to law school. Nothing. Her, she finally died driving across a totally different campus, and the crane that was putting up the graduation reception tent backed into her car. I know this is probably an urban legend, but I don't want to snope it and find out. Some people you do know how they'll die, like if they're famous. Famous people's tickets always get out. Someone they told will tell the tabloid pages. I he I've heard they pay a lot of money for famous tickets. Politicians have to disclose it. One guy who was running for governor in Tennessee faked his. His really said, shot by a hooker, and he got it to read stroke. Of course someone sold that story. Now the politicians have to have their tests taken in public and read right there. That one movie actress, the really pretty one, what's her name? Her ticket actually says broken heart. I've never heard of anyone else having that one. Of course people didn't believe her, so she went on TV and had the test retaken, and there it was. She is always being paired with her co-stars in the tabloids, like she'll be in this movie with some guy and the headline will read, Will he be the one to kill her? She just laughs it off, but I'd be afraid. You can't help falling in love, right? It's not like you can have a grab bar for going on dates. The day you get your results back, there aren't any classes. You just show up for homeroom. They call you in one by one to another room to get your ticket, and then you just go home. Lots of people's parents take the day off. If they're really dorky, they meet you at school. You can't really hang around after, although everyone's texting each other on their phones. Not asking outright, just, you okay? Lots of people don't talk about theirs, and that's cool. The teachers discourage it for the most part, and sometimes your parents get mad if you tell somebody. There was this girl, Julia, in my brother's class, and her said AIDS. She told just one person, her best friend, and then they had a fight, and that girl spread it all over school. They wrote slut on her locker and stuffed it full of condoms. It was awful. Her folks didn't know what to do. Finally, they just moved. I think they live in Asheville now. Maybe she even changed her name. When they called me, I felt a little nervous. Like, everyone knows they're going to die, but it's still a wobbly feeling to find out exactly how. My knees felt like they wanted to bend the wrong way, and I almost tripped getting out of my chair. I grabbed my bag and waved to Kells. She mouthed, old age, at me and gave me a thumbs up. I smiled back. I went into the room and sat down, and the counselor made me go through the whole routine. I had to tell him my social twice. I had to do the iris scanner both eyes. I had to show him the waiver from my parents that allowed him to tell me without them present. And I had to sign a form allowing him to tell me, period, and releasing the test people from liability. Then I had to do the breathalyzer. A couple of years ago, kids would show up wasted or high for their tests. So now you can't get the results unless you're sober. 
Finally, he brought out my ticket. It wasn't in an envelope or anything. It was just the top one in his folder. The folder was black, which I thought was kind of weird. Like, why make the folder black? He was dressed in just regular clothes, tan pants and a blue shirt, no tie or anything. So the black folder just seemed kind of pretentious. You have a slightly unusual result, he said. That wasn't good. Unusual meant stuff like mauled by a bear or electric mixer accident or choked on a pickle. Stupid stuff, not dramatic or cool. Let me see. I really didn't want to wait. He pushed the ticket over to me. In block letters, it said, Not waving, but drowning. The man said, It's a line from a poem. He held his pen like he didn't know what it was for. But it still means I'm drowning, right? It's not so bad. We'd like you to have the test retaken. It's unusual to get something like this. Something so elusive. I looked at him. He hadn't done a good job shaving that morning. It looked like he used a real razor and not a depilatory laser. Maybe his ticket said he'd be killed by a laser? I don't know. I like this one. What if it changed to something worse? That doesn't really happen. They don't change. Sometimes they get more specific. We think yours would get more specific. I think I'm good with vague, thanks. Vague and poetic is okay with me. Are you sure? You could retake now. I noticed that he had a test kit, too, next to his chair. Nah, I'm okay. I put my ticket in my bag, careful not to fold it. Some people framed theirs and kept it somewhere safe, especially if it was a cool one, like saving a child. Mine was totally frameable. If you change your mind, here's a number to call. He beamed a number to my phone from his pen. And we'd like your permission to keep a tracer on you so that our department will be alerted when you die. Wow, I was important enough to have a tracer? That was also cool. I couldn't decide if I'd tell anyone about the ticket, but I could definitely tell people I had a tracer. Sure, okay. He pushed another form to me. We have to let you think about this one for 24 hours and your parents have to sign it too. I have to disclose to you that tracer information is subpoenaable, which means that if you are accused of a crime, the data from the tracer can be used by the prosecution and the defense. It cannot be requested for civil matters in this state, but it can in New York, California, New Mexico, and Mississippi. You can drop off the form in homeroom tomorrow, or you can ping us if you sign it earlier, and someone will come by to get it from you and your parents. He stood up, so I got up too. He shook my hand. I think you are a remarkable young woman, he said, like he didn't say that to everyone. Please use this knowledge to focus and direct your life, and to live while you can. Then he recited the machine motto, Dum vivimus vivimus. Although nobody really knows Latin anymore, everyone knows that bit. It means, while we live, let us live. On my way home, Kells texted me, Old age, OMG, yay, was her whole text, so I just sent back a smiley and a I'm okay and another smiley. Mine really wasn't something you could text. I was glad for her, though. I bet she was going to be the great-grandma in the room full of flowers kind of old age dying. My folks were home, and I think they had been crying. It's hard to think of people you love dying, like they thought if they didn't know I'd live forever or something. My dad gave me a big hug and kind of sniffled before I even showed him the ticket, which was weird. I didn't really know what to say about the ticket, so I just pulled it out and showed it to them. The guy said it was from a poem. My folks looked a little shocked, but then my mom just googled up the poem on the living room screen. We just stood there and read it and clicked through to read about the poet. 
It was by somebody named Stevie Smith, who I first thought was a guy, but who turned out to be a woman. The poem was kind of famous, but pretty old, older than my parents. Stevie died of a brain tumor, which was as close as you could get back then to knowing for sure how you were going to die. Not a lot of people survive brain tumors. I kind of liked that she died that way. Not that she died, of course, but that she probably knew. My grandpa, for all he talks about how he hates the machine, came in while we were clicking around. My dad hates that he just walks in, but my grandpa always forgets to use the bell or even to set his phone to ping us when he's close, and of course the house is set to let him in. My dad didn't notice him until he was right there, close, and then he said, Jesus, Pops, in kind of a shaky voice. Grandpa didn't even ask. He just looked at my ticket. Ho, ho, he said. He's the only person outside of the vids who ever says ho, ho in that old-timey way instead of in the ho, ho, ho Santa way. Now that's a poetic death. I could almost warm up to a machine that spits that out. Anyway, that's when my mom and dad and grandpa started arguing about whether it was good or awful, and my dad started in again telling my grandpa he should get tested, so I kind of sneaked away and went up to my room. I didn't know myself, but I kind of liked the not knowing. The fact that it was a line of a poem? Cool. The fact that I could get a tracer? Cool. Drowning? Not so bad. I'd heard it was peaceful, and I really hate swimming anyway. It messes up my hair. So that was good to have an excuse not to swim. I pulled up the poem again and made it the background on my screen. I think I'll leave it there for a little while. For more stories about the Machine of Death, visit our website, machineofdeath.net. This audio file is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial share-alike license. That means feel free to share it, send it around, or adapt it however you'd like, but please don't sell it. I'm Erin McKean. If you'd like to read more of my work, you can find it at dressaday.com. Thanks for listening.